welcome to the Debbie Big Board, part of the Rookie Big Board Network. I'm your host, Skip Newton. Joining me is my co-host, Matt Cooper. Matt, I gotta be 100% honest right from the start. I haven't been this excited to record a podcast in a long time. We finally get to talk about live college football games. How, how are you doing, Matt? Yes, sir. I'm super excited, man. It's uh, My wife was out of town with the kids this weekend, and I was on the couch the whole weekend just watching college football. I had the, the YouTube TV multi-view thing going where it was like four games on one screen, and then I even think I had another one on my laptop at different points. And uh, so... It was a lot of fun. I made a lot of observations. I'm excited to dig into this with you today. Man, just just having the the weekend alone to be able to sit down and, and watch football like that, that that is a gift that has no price. I mean, that is that is so awesome. <laughs> that's, that's true, especially when you got a four year old and a two year old in the house. It's like right, right. Yeah. Man, it's, I it's love them to death, but this weekend was awesome. Yeah, it's it's the kids that'll that'll keep you away from from watching that much football. Usually, not the not the spouse. But as as we already indicated, we are going to talk about week one of the college football season. And do want to make a note that we are recording this on Monday evening, so Labor Day evening. Therefore, you will not hear any commenting on the Duke Clemson game because as of right now, that game hasn't taken place yet. So, just so you know, we're not ignoring that game. I'm sure. When Matt Hicks records his podcast, hopefully he will cover some of that. But before we get into today's show, I want to talk about the ridiculous value of being a rookie big board patron. Rookie big board patrons have access to the Dynasty Plus Debbie Big Board and Consensus Crew Rankings, the 2024 Rookie Big Board, 2023 Seasonal Projections, and full access to the RBB Discord. You can join our growing community at patreon.com slash rookie big board for just $5 a month or save 15% with an annual subscription. That is cheaper than a tank of gas when you're driving to South Dakota from the Twin Cities area for a wedding with a bunch of Nebraska fans. (laughs) Row the boat. Huge comeback win for my gophers. All right. You can now try the rookie big board for free. Click the link in the episode description to join the free version of our Discord. Get trade help, roster advice, and chop it up with our community of over 250 fantasy football sickos. That said, we are getting into week one. We're going to start with who we thought looked good. And I do want to reiterate that I was out of town for a wedding, and that wedding was Saturday afternoon. So I crammed in as much college football as I could on Saturday, but I was away from a TV, unfortunately. So we're going to rely on a lot of Matt's freedom for the day, but I have been catching up on as many videos and recorded games as possible, but we're going to start it off with freshmen because we've never seen them play on the field other than high school film. And it's exciting who out of this bunch, because there's a couple of guys for sure, but who out of this bunch are you the most excited for Matt? Uh, it's tough between two guys, but I gotta go with our guy that we have waxed eloquent about many times on this podcast, Dante Moore. Skip, you can go ahead and take your pants off. It was <laughs> oh man, <laughs> it was awesome. I mean, he came in in the second quarter and immediately like took a, get bro- breathed life into the UCLA offense that just wasn't there with Ethan Garbers. He led them on an immediate touchdown drive. He looked poised, confident, going through his reads. 
I mean, accurate, showed off the arm talent, the mobility. It was like everything that we that we love about him. He put it on display. And then inexplicably they went back to Garbers and the offense, it was like it went it went dormant again. <clears throat> and so here we are all the way in the fourth quarter. It's a 14 to 13 game. And they finally turned back to the freshmen and immediately he just blows the door off. And, and UCLA ended up winning by two scores. And, and it was because Dante Moore came in and the offense just immediately started clicking. His first throw in the fourth quarter when he came in was a 62-yard bomb to J. Michael Sturdivant, who we'll talk about in a minute. But Dante Moore just looked awesome. He looked every bit the part. I think it should be his job moving forward. We'll see if Chip Kelly, uh, how stubborn he's going to be about that. But I, I was really excited about what I saw from Dante Moore. Yeah, he he really did look the part. I mean, I watched I watched some some highlights. I watched some some videos that was put together. Thank you, uh, Brandon Lejeune, for that. And he made a, a lot of the great plays, like you mentioned. You know, he had a bad interception where he he got pressure in his face, and he he basically just threw it up. And that was one of those things. Like, okay, first game, freshman quarterback. Hopefully, you learn from, from <clears throat> mistakes like that because that's a big one. It was down in the end zone, mm-hmm. and you saw, you know, other mm-hmm. other video, you know, later on where again he got that pressure and he was able to throw it away safely, mm-hmm. and that tells me, okay, he is picking up on what you need to do in that situation. Don't take the sack if you can get it away, but make sure when you get it away that it's not going to be intercepted. So I I even liked that as a as a learning from a mistake mm-hmm. in a game. If he and I will say real quick, here, I'll, I'll, I'll I don't know what's going on. On that yeah. interception, uh, Chip Kelly said in the post-game interview that that wasn't his fault. He said that they had the wrong protection uh, in for that play for the offensive line. And so it was an all-out blitz. They didn't have the right protection in. And he actually, if you watch the play, he made the right read. His tight end was wide open in the end zone. And if he had had time to get that pass off cleanly, it would have been an easy touchdown. But he got hit as he threw. It ended up being a pick. Chip Kelly said it wasn't on him, uh, but certainly, I mean, he could have. You would have loved to have seen him throw it away or do something other than turn the ball over. But uh, he actually he he read the defense correctly. He just didn't have enough time to make the throw. And um, but yeah, I thought overall for a true freshman, I mean, he just he looked like the real deal, like we've said. So I was really excited about that. Yeah, for sure. He he needs to play. I don't know why they they wouldn't play him and getting into a little bit of strategy with, with a guy like Moore, you know, if you don't have him on your, your Debbie roster, he's on another team. You can try to go get him now. I mean, obviously the guy that drafted him is going to be really excited. So if, if you're going to prime away, you're going to have to overpay. But the bottom line is this, if he continues to grow from here and, and play and develop and look the part, his value will only increase. <laughs> yeah. That's what happens with quarterbacks mm-hmm. and, you know, in super flex league. So you, you might overpay have to pay today now. and underpay tomorrow is what they say. Yes. So. And that's, that's the, the, the point I want to make with, with more. And I'm going to make it with the next guy is you might feel like you're overpaying now, but it won't feel like an overpay in two years. Zachariah branch mm-hmm. USC wide receiver. Of course exactly. we, we didn't talk about week zero, but he, he absolutely went, you know, ballistic looked good again this week. He was my, my top wide receiver. He's in everybody's tier one. But man, he is moving up the list because he he looks the part. I mean, he just looks fantastic. Yeah, so you're exactly right. And I think with both of these guys, I don't I would be shocked if either one of them is at peak value right now. Like I, I think whatever you pay for them, their value is going to increase from here. So 
I'm I'm with you on that take. And with Zach Branch, you might look at the box score and see he only had one catch this week. Uh, the game got out of hand very quickly. He started and was playing all the snaps with the starters. The game got out of hand very quickly, and he just didn't see a whole lot of action this week. Uh, he crushed it in week zero. He had uh, a receiving touchdown, a, a long kick return touchdown, multiple really exciting punt returns, um, saw some good volume. Just looked like a man amongst boys out there, honestly, coming in as a true freshman and already just looking like an NFL player running around with those guys. So I'm really excited about Zach Branch. And the one question maybe that you could have had about him coming out of week zero was, hey, all this stuff was kind of right around the line of scrimmage. It was all yards after catch. Can he make plays downfield? And then the one catch he caught this week was a long touchdown down the field caught it in the end zone. So the one question that we maybe had, he came out this week and answered it on like the first play of the game. So yeah, to the moon for Zach branch. He looks like a stud. Yep. hundred percent. All right. I'm going to rely on you for the next three freshmen to talk about, because again, I, I did not watch any of them. So I would only be box score scouting, but, but who do you have as three freshmen that, that stood out in week one? Yeah. So I'm going to run through these just real quick. Cedric Baxter, CJ Baxter, he he started <clears throat> the game for Texas and he played every snap and was taking every touch basically uh, at the start of the game. And he had a, a one run in particular. I mean, if you look at the box score, you're going to see like five carries for I forget exactly how many yards. It's nothing that's going to pop out. He didn't score a touchdown, but he had one run that did look really, really electric. He, he had good vision, hit the cutback lane, hit the Jets. Looked really good. Unfortunately, he got hurt in the game, and I this is not confirmed. I heard it's a collarbone, a broken collarbone, which he would be out for a decent chunk of time with that, and that's disappointing. But really encouraged that he started. He was taking every carry for the for the Texas Longhorns, and he looked good for those couple of touches, and then just unfortunately he got hurt. So if there's a dip with the injury – I would buy it because you got a true freshman coming in, starting day one, looking good right off rip. That's so a now, really good sign for him. Really quick, one of the other guys from last year, Jadon Blue, who people really liked, he obviously came in and was a benefactor of that injury. How did he look? He was the third running back that came in the game. And okay, so Jonathan Brooks got more. Yeah, so it, it was right. Baxter, and then it was Jonathan Brooks, and then it was Jaden Blue. And Blue, he, he didn't look bad. He didn't look. I didn't. I don't think he had any big exciting plays either, um, and he mostly was playing when the game was out of hand against um, lesser competition. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't say much to report either way on Brooks, except that he was the third string running back. Or, sorry, not Brooks, Blue. Not much okay. to report either way on Blue, except he was third string. Uh, two other freshmen I'm going to hit on. One is Roderick Robinson. He's obviously the benefactor of a number of injuries to the Georgia Bulldogs. Branson Robinson. Really sad that that he's out with a torn patellar, which um, is a really long-term thing and, and could even affect his draft stock. And it's pretty serious injury. So I hate that for Branson Robinson. And then Dejan Edwards is also banged up. So he split carries. Roderick Robinson did pretty much 50-50 with uh, Kendall Milton and definitely looked better than Milton. He, he got, uh, I think, I think it was eight carries for almost 60 yards and a touchdown. So he looked pretty good, albeit against UT Martin. Uh, but 
it's worth noting when you're a true freshman, you come in and, and you play right away and you score a touchdown right away. That's always worth making note of. So um, Andrew Paul didn't see the field until the game was out of hand. I, I don't think he saw many touches. So he was kind of an afterthought. He really was Milton and Roger Robinson. So, uh, and then that changes. I'm a, I'm an Andrew Paul guy. So I yeah, want, I want to yeah, see I know him, you are, man. want to see um, him get, get some more time there. I would have loved to have seen him get more run. I mean, I think, Kendall Milton is what he is at this point, not somebody that I'm too interested in for Debbie. Uh, but I was curious between Andrew Paul and Roger Robinson, which one was going to see the touches with all these injuries. And it was Roger Robinson. So I wanted to make note of that. Um, and then the last freshman that I'll hit on is Jaden Rashada. Uh, this was a guy that came in and, and earned the starting job. He's the only true freshman quarterback that outright won the starting job heading into week one. And he played for Arizona State, and he looked really good. He showed the arm talent, made some really nice throws, had a big game. They had a big win. So um, stock is up for Jaden Rashada for sure. So that's all I got on on big freshman risers. There's a lot more guys that um, I would have loved to have seen more of, but they're just kind of buried on depth charts. Um, Jurion Dickey, they scored 81 points, and he didn't get a single catch, so that's a little disappointing. Um, yeah. 81. Some other guys got in at like the very end. Like I think you saw two catches for Jonte Cook at the end of the game. You saw one catch for Carnell Tate at the end of the game. Didn't see anything for Brandon Ennis. Uh, Makai Lemon got three catches in garbage time for USC. Uh, Deuce Robinson got a touchdown. So that was nice. He's had big catches in back-to-back games, but both came in garbage time. So all those guys are, are people that we have our eye on, but they're a little bit buried on the depth chart. So yeah. All right. The ones that really stand out are the ones I talked about. Excellent. All right. Let's get into the upper class when the non-freshmen and started off with, you know, a couple of quarterbacks, guys that you know, are probably on Debbie rosters, but people need to know, you know, how are they looking? What's their, what's their future looking like? Of course, expected first round pick Drake may North Carolina. I did watch about the first half of that game and he, he looked the part as, as well, but tell me about not only him, but also drew Aller at Penn state. Yeah, so Drake May, the reason that I have him down is kind of a riser for me. I think for most people, it didn't move the needle at all because he is who who they thought he was. And uh, I mean, you've heard us talk about on the podcast that he had a lot of questions to answer coming into this year. And so you come in with a new offensive coordinator with no Josh Downs, Tez Walker's still ineligible. You're playing an SEC defense. Uh, and he played great. Uh, he, I mean, South Carolina, they're not a juggernaut by any means, but they're better than most of what UNC played on their schedule last year. Drake may had a cake schedule last season. And so, uh, yeah, this was a test for him on national TV primetime spot against an sec defense with all this change this off season. And he was just calm, cool, collected, going through his reads, showing the arm talent, showing the mobility, showing everything that everybody loves about him. He made very few mistakes and was just throwing darts out there and making it look easy. So, um, Drake May uh, is a little bit stock up for me. He, he answered some questions, and I feel a lot more confident about him than I did uh, before this week. And Drew Allar, we know the talent. We know the, the five-star pedigree, but we hadn't really seen him on a college field. And so he comes out this year. He gets the chance to start, and he looked great. He, he showed off some really impressive arm talent, made some great throws. Like that, if you, if you watch the game, there are a couple where he's throwing off-platform way down the field or he's rolling out of the pocket and hitting a guy in a tight window on the sideline. He just looked at the part of a star quarterback. 
So I was excited to see that for Drew Alar as well. And so, so both of those guys are stocked up for me. Excellent. All right. I was always curious going into the season about <laughs> Wisconsin's change of offense. I know we talked about it the last time we were podcasting. And again, I didn't get a chance to watch the game, but box score scouting does tell me it had to have been different if Braylon Allen is catching that many passes. Now I know there wasn't a lot of yards, but the fact that he's catching the ball is Mm -hmm. a sign of potentially not only things to come, but he may be developing that part of his game, which people have to like from a fantasy running back perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And it was really interesting because I mean, we were like late in that game and the game was pretty much out of hand. And Ches Malusi had been out touching Braylon Allen. And it was like Braylon Allen, I think, had nine carries for 39 yards like late in the second half. And I'm like, that's not good for a round one Debbie pick. Uh, But in garbage time, he really turned it on. He got a bunch of cleanup carries and ended up breaking off a big run, ended up with a huge box score. But what really stands out, like you said, is the receptions. He had 13 all of last season. He had seven in week one. So that's, I mean, that's half of his total receiving production from last season in one game. And if that keeps up, like that's going to be answering the biggest question mark in his profile. And it's going to be huge for his draft stock and for everybody feeling better about him as a player. Now, do I think he's going to be this Jameer Gibbs type that's going out and running routes in the slot or no? Of course not. But just even showing that he's capable of taking these dump off screen passes, having some reliable hands, being able to turn, get upfield, get some yards after the catch, I think is is answering a huge question because he just really hasn't shown any of it. And so um, I'm, I've got Braylon Allen, even in spite of the rough three quarters and Ches Malusi being more involved than we thought that he would be. I've got Braylon Allen stocked up just because of the receptions. Yeah, I, I want to see more yards. I mean, 25 yards on seven catches isn't isn't a whole right. lot to to get excited about. But but the fact that he caught seven does mean something to me. How much do you really want to wax poetic on on your guy Evan Stewart? I mean, he's on the list. Everybody knows you love him. Do you love him more? Uh, no. But I just had to put his name on here because <laughs> I was excited. He he had an incredible game. Over 100 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, I mean, level of competition is something you could say about any of these guys. I mean, it's it's non-conference play. Most of these teams had cake matchups. But you just love to see the chemistry with Wegman. You love to see the immediate high target share. And he just shows every trait. I mean, he, he crushed it after the catch. He was dusting guys off the line with great routes. Uh, it was everything that, that I love about him. So it just reiterates for me that he's an alpha and – I'm feeling more and more and more confident every time I watch him play that he's going to be in this category of guys like Garrett Wilson when, when all is said and done. So I feel I'm super high on Evan Stewart. He's my Debbie wide receiver too. If you've been listening to the podcast a while, you know that, but I think he just another notch in his belt this week. So, yeah. And you mentioned he's an alpha and we already talked about, you know, Zachariah branch being you know one of the top guys, if not the top guy, in the 2026 class, you've got Evan Stewart top in 2025, you know, Dante Moore, another guy who might be, you know, the top quarterback in his class gets me to this. And it's, it's really a strategy question or, or a conversation. You know, we, 
we tend to maybe give guys more value the closer they are to the NFL. And that makes sense, right? They're, Mm -hmm. they're not, they're not at least scoring points for your Mm -hmm. roster sitting on your bench, you know, and Evan Stewart won't be eligible until 2025, Zachary branch until 2026. That said, the more I'm looking at these kinds of players and the more I'm thinking about it, I'm almost willing to, to take my chance if they are the kind of player that I think is elite, where I Mm -hmm. think this guy is almost a surefire lock, at least as far as we know right now of being a first round draft pick, because the number of guys that truly hit when they get into the NFL are so few and far between. I mean, you know, when, when we're looking at all of these guys in college that we're talking about, the number that actually becomes, you know, fantasy relevant scoring, scoring a lot of points in your, on your team. It's so few. And if I can get the top guy in a class, even if that class isn't until 2026 or, or, or in Stewart's case, 2025, mm-hmm. those are the guys I want. And for sure, I'm, I'm willing to, to maybe, you know, rank them higher. And I think, those of you who are are looking at the rankings, I've updated my Debbie rankings just within the last week. I'm going to do it, you know, periodically throughout the season. But you're going to see that the guys that I think are, are alphas, regardless of class, I'm going to move up because I would rather have the top guy in 2026 than the eighth wide receiver in 2023 mm-hmm. or 2024. Right. So I don't know where you stand because because you can't dismiss the number of years it takes because we know anything can change, but it's, it's just something that I've been thinking a lot about lately. Yeah. I think it's, it's a great argument and those guys, their value tends to just continue to go up, 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 up. Whereas a 2024 guy, you know, a couple months from now, he doesn't get the draft capital you want. That value is tanking. So um, yeah, I, I think I totally agree with you. If, if you feel, Hey, this guy's a surefire stud, I'd definitely rather go get him than uh, than the guy with some question marks in the 2024 class. So, um, all right, we're gonna question. yeah rush through a couple more key guys. Huge game last night, Keon Coleman. Where where do you have him? I mean, is he is he the real deal? Do we need to start moving him up? Yeah, he's an interesting one because you know he he's kind of a deeper dive coming into the season. People weren't super high on him. He wasn't being drafted very high in Debbie leagues. And he just showed off. I mean, he's, he's got this huge frame, six foot four, over 200 pounds, I believe. Boxing guys out, showing incredible body control and ball skills. Also showed some after-the-catch stuff. So stock is way up. Three touchdowns against an SEC defense on national TV. We'll do that. Uh, some things to note on him, or one thing to note on him, he was not a top 300 prospect in his class. So I checked with the guys at Campus to Canton because I said, I don't see him anywhere on your year one zero tool. And some of you guys have heard us talk about year one zero before. Um, and here's here's what they said. This was from Colin on uh, over at C2C. He said, Players outside the top 300 recruits of their class have such a low hit rate anyway that there wasn't much of a correlation to the year one zero theory. The expectations for them are lower as a whole, so any production from them in their freshman year is considered good. Keon Coleman had, I believe, seven. 
Hmm? Yep. He scored a touchdown his freshman season. So I think that takes him off to year one zero. I don't list, know if it right? does because oh, I thought a touchdown. It I don't think a receiving those. touchdown does, but a rushing okay. touchdown does for some reason. I don't know. Anyway, he had seven catches and I think you need 10 to quali- to be a year one, to not be a year one zero, but then he's also wasn't a top 300 prospect. So anyway, something to note on Keon Coleman, but for me, that's not a deal breaker because I'm just like, I see the traits. If he's headed for the draft capital, I feel good that he can kind of buck some of those trends. So I like Keon Coleman. And I feel similarly about Romo Dunes, eh, who had also an incredible week. And he also was a year one zero. And his teammate McMillan was a year one zero as well. Jalen McMillan, all those guys, uh, year one zero. So um, if you don't know what that means, look it up on Twitter. Shout out to the campus to Canton guys for coming up with all that stuff. But uh, yeah, a, a couple guys that I really like um, that showed out great this week, lots of good traits. Um, but there's that question mark of kind of the late breakout age, older prospects that the analytics guys are not going to love. All right. We, we do have to cover, of course, Colorado um, Sanders and Travis Hunter, because I really want to know what you feel about these guys as far as NFL from a Debbie perspective. Yeah, I mean, they looked looked awesome. Uh, Shadur Sanders, he was throwing it deep. He was throwing it short, intermediate. He was reading the defense well. He showed a lot of poise. He looked accurate. He was making good decisions. He showed some mobility. Like, all of the things that I'm looking for, he was showing it in this game. And, yeah, I'm, stock is definitely way up on him. He's somebody that... I think the Debbie community is like, wow, we weren't taking this guy seriously enough. He's, he's a legit 2024 quarterback prospect. And so um, I'm not ready to like move him all the way up to my QB three in the class. I think it's Caleb and then may, and then I probably would have guys like Michael Penix ahead of him still. And, and maybe a couple others, but he's definitely, if he continues to play this way throughout the year, he's certainly going to be in the first round conversation at the end of the season. And then his teammate, Travis Hunter, I think, uh, man, incredible to go out there and play over 120 snaps in the Texas heat and play both sides of the ball basically every down and kill it both sides. You know, come up with a clutch interception, catch over 100 receiving yards, be the go-to target. So he just was super impressive. He's definitely going to be somebody that NFL teams are – he's going to be – a high draft pick, I think. That, there's no question about that. The only question is, is he going to play wide receiver at the next level? Is he going to play corner at the next level? Is he going to continue trying to do both? I think that's the question with Hunter, but the talent is is very obvious. So, Yeah, that and that's the part that worries me, is when I'm watching him, and I did get to watch quite a bit of that Colorado game, although I, I need to catch up on the second half in most of it because that was wedding time. <laughs> he looked Instant classic. You need to go watch it. Right. He looked like a good wide receiver, potentially a very good wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Watching him play cornerback, he looked elite. He looked that interception was nuts. I mean, just they weren't completing passes when they targeted his guy. The big interception that you you mentioned. I, I just and I'm thinking, man, if he is that level of a cornerback, the NFL is going to be all over that because they're starving for great corners. And yeah, there may be more money at wide receiver, but that's, you got to, the the depth and talent at wide receiver is enormous in the NFL. It's not there at corner, not like it is at wide receiver. 
and he could be one of the best. I, that's, that's my concern is he will not get, you know, that he, I, I don't think he can play both sides consistently in the NFL. He might not play as much wide receiver. And from a fantasy perspective, that, that becomes really bad. I know you mentioned his name. So I'm going to let you get one more guy. Talk to me about J Michael Sturdivant. Yeah. So he's another one, another year one zero, but uh, you're, you're looking at a guy that's six foot three over 200 pounds. He's faster than Xavier worthy. Like he's got legit NFL deep speed. He's got so many physical traits and he crushed it at Cal last year as a sophomore. And then he comes in immediate chemistry with Dante Moore. He dominated in this UCLA game. He showed off incredible ball skills, incredible speed, uh, and so this is a guy that I have my eye on. I don't think the Debbie community has taken him seriously enough. And I think he looks set to blow up this year. So, uh, a little bit of a deeper dive. I, I, I didn't see him drafted actually in any of my Debbie leagues. So he's, he's one that next year would be in every single, uh, depleted draft. And I think he could end up being a guy that is taken pretty early in the NFL draft next year. And, uh, ends up getting a lot of buzz come draft season. So it's just a name to monitor, but I was really impressed with J. Michael Sturdivant. Yeah, I like that. And another guy that we'll talk about in future podcasts, but we got to, we got to get moving here is mm-hmm. he's a guy that so much to cover this week, man. I know. Is, it, well, it's a guy that hopefully Matt will talk about because I know he's high on him. That's Troy Franklin, the wide receiver at Oregon. I think he, he looked good as, as pretty much every offensive player did, obviously, for, for Oregon and 81 yeah, points. 81 but, points, Portland State. It's like, how much can you really take from that? But Yeah, but man, he had he a great game. Number, yeah, put up good numbers last season. So something to, to keep in mind. And, and again, we, we got a whole season to talk about these guys. We are excited for that. We will discuss the players who didn't look so good and do a quick week two preview in just a minute. But first, I want to make sure you know that the Rookie Big Board is now partnered with Underdog Fantasy Football. This is the best app for fantasy contests you can join drafts for just three dollars and gain a real understanding of seasonal adp trends it's like mock drafting but with something on the line the entire rbb crew is drafting on underdog daily you can join us by using the promo code rbb it will get a 100 match on your first deposit and help us grow all right we're going to talk about some guys that maybe didn't impress and starting with ohio state quarterback kyle mccord I saw a lot of bleh. And then you've got Travion Henderson on there. Talk talk to me about those two quick. Yeah, Kyle McCord was brutally bad. I mean, I don't even think the box score does justice to how bad he was. Uh, and that's why you saw, I mean, I don't have Marvin Harrison or Emeka Egbuka on this list because <laughs> we know who those guys are. I'm not worried about those guys. Um, but I think they were held back by poor quarterback play. The offense didn't didn't look very good. It was late in the game. It was like 10-7 or something. It was like, man, they just cannot run away from these guys. Um, and, yeah, Trey Henderson did not look good. Trey Henderson, limited touches, very much a committee with a couple of other guys, did not look explosive. And I'm, I'm getting nervous, man, because he's a guy that I have continued to say he's my Debbie RB1. I like him over – Raheem Sanders last year he was just dealing with injury I'm believing in what I saw freshman year and then he comes in after a full offseason where he should be recovered and he just does not look as explosive as what I remember seeing his freshman year and and I'm starting to get concerned because it looks like another really rough committee this season the production's not going to be as high as we want it to be and even what I saw on tape just had me a little bit worried so Trey Henderson as far as big Debbie names he's my biggest faller 
And I don't know how far he's going to drop in my rankings, but he's definitely something. It's something that I'm concerned about and keeping my eye on. And then hopefully we see Devin Brown. Like, I don't know how Devin, how bad Devin Brown has to be looking in practice right now to not be seeing the field. Uh, but Kyle McCord is not it. And if, if Kyle McCord, if you listen to us, we've told you sell him as soon as he gets named the starter. Hopefully you did that because it took no time at all for the entire world to see this guy is not CJ Stroud. Just because he plays for Ohio State, he's not going to be a high draft pick. So if you have any Kyle McCord left and you can sell him for anything, do it because he's not an NFL player. But yep, yeah, that's, I, that's what I, I have to say about Ohio State. I want, I want to see Devin Brown for sure. Let's stick with the 2024 running back class because unfortunately you've got a few more names on here. Raheem Sanders, Trey Benson, and Donovan Edwards. Three more running backs coming out next year. All three on your not-so-great list. Yeah, and it's not like the sky's falling on any of these guys. Um, Raheem Sanders, I did not get to watch that game, so I, you know, I put his name on here because he had 15 carries for 42 yards, I believe it was, with two touchdowns. So he ran a couple of them in, but 2.8 yards per carry against the level of competition that they were playing. I think they played Western Carolina. That's not good. So I'm going to go back and watch that when I have time uh, because. I want to see what went on there. I, I know he bulked up this offseason, which I'm not sure is a good thing. I mean, he he looks chunky out there. Like, he's 242 pounds. I saw the videos of him out there in warm-ups, and he looked like a fullback or something. And and so I wonder if he's lost some of that quickness. Um, I've always had questions about his vision. So I really want to go watch the tape and see what was going on there. And obviously we've got the whole rest of the season to see if that's a trend that continues, but 2.8 yards per carry was, was not what I wanted to see. Uh, as far as Trey Benson, similar deal. He's, he was in a committee. He didn't see as many touches. I, I thought that Trayshawn Ward leaving town meant that Trey Sanders was going to be wheels up as their bell cow this year. And that didn't look like it was the case. He did have some nice runs. I watched the tape on that one and, um, he had some plays where he, he showed some good vision and some good uh, patience and found the hole. Um, one in particular where he carried a couple guys. Uh, it was a good, tough, tough nose run. He didn't look like he had a whole lot of juice. So I don't know. Everybody else on Florida state dominated and Trey Sanders was just very meh. So I want to see Benson. more out of him. Benson. Trey. Yeah. Trey Benson. Sorry. All these, <laughs> all these names with Trey in them, but yeah, Trey Benson, I want to see more out of him. we got a whole season in front of us. Um, so, again, sky's not falling. I want to see more. Donovan Edwards, similar deal. Not going to spend a whole lot of time on it, but poor level of competition. He got enough touches. He and Blake Corum split pretty much dead even 50-50. Corum had a monster game with over 100 yards, multiple touchdowns, and Donovan Edwards basically did nothing. So it's like they're running behind the same offensive line. When Corum goes in there, he just looks electric. And Donovan Edwards, whenever he would come in, he just looked very pedestrian. And so I hope that that trend does not continue. That's another one that I had on uh, because there were four games going at once and it was a blowout quick and I wasn't paying as much attention. So I want to go back and watch that one in more detail. And especially when I get, it's hard to tell with running backs until you can get all 22 and really see what they're seeing with, blocking schemes and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I I did not come away impressed with Donovan Edwards, we'll put it that way. So all right, um, these are three guys that I'm just going to have my eye on uh, with Sanders, with Edwards, and uh, definitely with Travion Henderson. And I hope that they can turn it around because those are 
significant names in this class. It's going to hurt the class a lot if these guys don't end up being who we thought they were. Yeah, 100%. All right, we're going to have to hold off on the rest of the guys. We're running short on time, but coming up week two, we're going to be excited for that. Just some some games and names to watch. Uh, Friday night, there's a, a good one, Illinois at Kansas. I like this because I think Devin Neal is a, is a guy who could sneak up in that running back class, the aforementioned 2024 running back class. He looked very good with a, a nice yeah, burst on one of his early runs this past week. Now he gets a... a what I'll call a typically good Illinois defense. So if he looks good again, take mm-hmm. note. Of course, Saturday, the big day, you know, Ball State at, at Georgia's early. Are these running backs going to continue to split the work? How is that going to going to play out? We want to you know watch the guys that are still healthy there. Youngstown State at Ohio State. Can McCord bounce back? Maybe Leary sees the field. Who knows? There, you know, we got their awesome wide receiver core. Maybe Henderson. You mean Devin Brown? Devin Brown. Yeah. Who did I say? Oh, you said Leary. Who we're going to say? Leary. Yeah. Devin Leary. <laughs> That's funny. That's <laughs> on my next one here. Eastern Kentucky at Kentucky. Leary, Dane Key, Barry and Brown. We didn't touch on these guys, but they should be fun to watch. I know Dane Key had a really good game in week one. Let's see yeah. how that. Leary struggled up. a little bit week one. So he, he did not do as well as I had hoped. And Barry on Brown had an electric kickoff return, but he did not. Uh, he was not as involved as a wide receiver as I hoped. It's just one week. So. You know, we'll see. Um, but yeah, that's definitely one to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, I I want to see Barry and Brown do more as a wide receiver, right? If he looks if he looks awesome as a kick returner and that's it, that that doesn't get me excited for fantasy football because yeah, NFL, you don't really get to return yeah. the ball as a kicker <laughs> kickoff anyway. Yeah, I'm definitely um, hoping for a big breakout for Barry on Brown, and that that was off to a slow start in week one for sure. Yeah, old miss at Tulane is another one. There, there's just fun guys to watch there. Mm-hmm. I like that. And of course, the biggest of big games next week from not only a college football standpoint, but from Debbie, Texas at Alabama. Mm-hmm. We've got quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, the whole gamut. So that's at really good. six o'clock central time. Of course, my son's soccer game is at five. So I'll be watching <laughs> that one in delay, but instant turning that one on as soon as I get home. And then, of course, the sicko slate, 9.30 p.m. Central Time, Stanford at USC. I think for those of us who can stay up late and watch that final sicko slate, as Matt Hicks likes to call it, that that one will be fun. So pay attention to that as well. Whew, that's a lot to cover. Man. I know. Hey, we did it. Yep. Uh, I, I hope everyone got something out of this. Like I said, this is it. This is what we're doing every week. Now reviewing the previous week, we'll preview the next week and talk about guys that, that we really like and guys that maybe not so good and throw in some strategy along the way. So thank you for listening to this episode. If you've not already do us a favor and leave a five-star review on whichever podcast app you are using, make sure you're subscribed. So you never miss any of the RBB action for Matt. I am skip. Enjoy week two coming up. Have a awesome weekend. Take care, everyone.